Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bolick, your host, and today our topic is our top five tactile sensory picks otherwise known as our top five squishy mushy things to play with in therapy. And my guest today to help me with this is Kirsty Miles. Kirsty is our vice president here at PDT. And I'm excited about you being here with me today, Kirsty. Welcome. Thank you. I say guest, but not really, because if you've listened to this podcast enough, you're not a guest, but that's what the first thing that came out of my mouth to make me think. So. <laughs> so let's get into it, Kirsty. So we worked long and hard at this top five choice, didn't we? I mean, I think we've identified lots of different products and we did our due diligence research. We recently went to the toy fair in New York City. And I think if there is a tactile, mushy, squishy thing out there. We have played with it. We played with it. Yes. Yes. I say much of the chagrin of like most of the people that we encountered, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we put them through their paces. So number one, let me just say in advance of this, I love Bubber. Bubber is a product that is made by Relevant Play. I love Bubber. They're discontinuing Bubber. It was a real hard fall for me because I play with Bubber forever in therapy and I sort of don't play with Play-Doh anymore. I use Bubber because it's this great substance. It's hypoallergenic. It doesn't dry out. It's lightweight. It's a great tactile product. You can use it with cookie cutters and they actually look like what you started with and made. You can cut it with a knife. I use it all the time. But they're discontinuing Bubber for a better product, which is Mad Matter, still made by Relevant Play. I'm playing with it right now. And this Mad Matter is just basically, it's not the same as Bubber, but it's definitely similar to Bubber, but better. It kind of reminds me of a cross between Kinetic Sand and Bubber. Yeah. If you haven't played with Mad Matter, you need to rush out right now and go get you some because it is thebomb.com. I think this product is better than Play-Doh for several reasons. One, it's lightweight. You can use a cookie cutter and it actually looks like what you made, just like Bubber. It doesn't crumble like Bubber because I know in the past some of the therapists we've worked with haven't loved it to death because Bubber will crumble and it'll get in the carpet and stuff. But Mad Matter will not do that. It doesn't crumble. It stays together. It is very lightweight. It's soft. It's easy to manipulate. So for a child who really has a hard time, you know, manipulating a lot of textures or they just don't have a lot of hand strength, this stuff is super easy to manipulate. And like I said with the cookie cutters, when you make the object, it looks like what you made. Play-Doh, a lot of times the dog doesn't look like a dog when you made it out of cookie cutter. Anyway, I think this stuff is great. But it is hypoallergenic, which is nice. But... With kids, I tend to go through this product a decent amount, like throw a lot away and then use more because with a drool on it and stuff, I just toss it, which everybody should toss it. You don't want to use nasty. I mean, it's hypoallergenic, which is nice because not every child comes and washes their hands before they play with this, of course. But, you know, if they have a lot of drool or whatever, then I throw it away and I start over. So Kirsty, now let's talk a little bit about how we use this in therapy, how a PT would use it. And I know this is not typical for PT potentially to use some of this stuff or how speech therapists would use it. Most people, when they think about Play-Doh, Bubber, Mad Matter, Sand, all of that, they tend to think OT. But since you and I are PT and speech, I think we should talk about how PT and speech use it. Yeah, I think first to talk about OT, you know, the sensory experience of playing with different textured objects, the hand strengthening it requires by manual use, you you automatically think occupational therapy. From a physical therapy standpoint, again, we've talked in other podcasts, it doesn't matter what we use for PT. It's a means to an end. So I have to look at my goals. I also have to consider what's going to be motivating to the child that I'm working with. So if the child were to choose the mad matter out of the closet of toys, then we would have to use that in therapy. And I would look at the goal and what I'm trying to achieve in my session. And like you talked about the cookie cutters and the knife, 
I would break it into parts and components for repetition of whatever activity. If I'm doing a sit to stand transfer, if I'm working on stairs, maybe I put the pieces at the top of the stairs and then come down to play in the mad matter. So that's very much how a PT might use it in the session, stepping over obstacles to get the parts and pieces to come back and play as the reward. So we really look at a toy like that as more reward. Now, if a child is maybe physically impaired, we might be working on something upper extremity strengthening wise and use it in a different manner, probably in conjunction with occupational therapy. But for generally speaking, the physical therapy population, it's more of a reward system. I've done co-treats before with PT where we've used at that time bubber, but now mad matter on a bench, you know, and the child was not very tall, but they had definite right or left side weakness. And so they were helping them use it both bilaterally using it. I know OT would use it that way, but I've seen a PT use it that way before. Crossing midline for parts and pieces, tall kneel or half kneel at the bench. Yep. Cruising even. I mean, for some kids, I know that sounds like a younger motor development skill, but for some of our kids who are older and, you know, with various diagnoses, we've used it with a three and four year old. Would you call it cruising for a three and four year old still? Yeah. If that's developmentally where they're at. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was just a speech therapist checking in people making sure they've got the right lingo at the right moment. There you go. See, that's why it's important and really good to work in a collaborative learning environment because no matter how long you've been treating, um, then we don't need to point fingers at the, those of us who have been treating a very long time and we're older, but you can always learn and grow. You got to check in with your fellow disciplines to make sure you got your facts straight. I don't know what you speak of. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. So as a speech therapist, I use this mad matter stuff all the time. And I think one of the important things to talk about is at PDT, we work really, really hard to package our products the right way. So we package mad matter. And a lot of times we say lowest common denominator, like, so it's just the single thing, you know, like I don't put mad matter in the same box as I would another type of mushy, squishy product like sand. I wouldn't put mad matter in kinetic sand. Kinetic sand is also made by relevant play in the same box. That's just kind of crazy talk. Like that's like mixing two like Play-Doh colors. You would never do that. It does ruin it. So that's a no-go. So Mad Matter is a box by itself. We package it with like 10 to 15 cookie cutters because you can get bored. And for speech, I definitely do it with this. We also package it with a knife. Like I'm talking like a knife. You don't cut yourself on a knife, you know, so you can chop it. Mad Matter comes with these little, they call them extruders, but you make like a square or an octagon or kind of a shape like that. They come with those things. Blocks. Yeah, make blocks. You can totally make like Lego looking blocks. Those are awesome. There's like a build it kit you can get with the Mad Matter. It is very cool. I'm working on how to make Legos with Mad Matter. I'm getting better. Those are really cool. So basically you can stack things up so you can make those parts and pieces like what Kirsty was saying. But for speech, I don't hide stuff in the kinetic sand. I work on using two hands together. I kind of set it up so the child has to, I'll get them started and they have to sort of finish it kind of thing so that they have to like be responsible for their actions and their movements and stuff like that, which encourages language. Because, you know, if you do stuff for kids all the time, they don't have to talk. So it's the same sort of concept, you know, I'll get them started with it or we'll make them push with the cookie cutter, push it down so they have to make the dog. I don't make the dog or the bat boat or the cat or whatever the heck it is for them. We also can name those things. We can use it for single words. We can use it for two word phrases, you know, more cat, more dog, more boat. This kind of goes back to that whole podcast I did on moving from single words to sentences to go back and check that thing out. You know, how you move a child from single words to sentences. I completely would use the mad matter with building from single words to phrases. It's like the perfect thing to use that for because you can do it right there in the session. So, you know, single words to request, 
two word phrases, more cat, more dog, more push. Great activity for verbs, push, roll, squish, smash. You know, we smash all kinds of mess in therapy. You know, we will make a ball, we'll roll the ball up and we'll pick our hand up in the air. We made a ball and I'll kind of hold the child's hand for one second and one, two, three, and we'll smash it. You know, boys love that mess. I love that stuff because they love to squish and bang stuff. They love it. Little girls love it too, by the way, but still. So I use it all the time in speech for this, like all the time. And we package it in an individual container at see-through. So you have to request to open it, start, do, finish. Mad Matter is the best for start, do, finish. That's my first pick is the Mad Matter from Relevant Play. It is cool, fun stuff. Our number one squishy, mushy thing. Number two, and this is not necessarily in the order of like one through five with one being the best or five being the worst or five being the best and one being the worst. This is just five things we like a whole lot. So number two is this foam stuff from Educational Resources. It is play foam. Now with play foam, you can buy it in individual containers and like little round circle things. You know what? It looks like a teeny tiny BOSU ball. The way they package them, right? It does, right? Anyway, or you can buy them in like the educational packs. We buy them in the educational packs because we have to package it and reuse it in therapy. And we're going to use it in bigger quantities than the small packaging. Yeah, like the small packaging for us is like a birthday box. Like, hey, hey, it's your birthday. Here's just some foam, which kids like, by the way. Mm -hmm. Parents, I'm sure, love it because it gets like all in their floorboard of their car. So you're welcome. But we're here to please. Anyway, but no, they don't mind. <laughs> we don't give it away if they don't want it. I'm just kidding. Anyway, we like this play foam stuff because it's basically, I don't know what it's made of. Do you? No, it, I mean, it seems like foam little balls, but then there's a texture consistency and like a putty feel to it. But it's not really sticky. Like it doesn't get all over your hands. Does it leave a residue? No, not really. My fa And my favorite part was the silicone type cookie cutters that you play with. They're like molds. Yep. So it's a little bit different than playing with like we refer to Play-Doh, which we don't really use in our clinic anymore just because it dries out so fast. And these products are a little more forgiving with that because if you leave the Tupperware bin cracked open just a bit, you're done, done. next time you go to use it. Yep. So this play foam has these little molds that you can kind of mush and build and, you know, create something. That is a new product for them because in the past, Educational Resources has just sold play foam, like in the little small BOSU ball-like containers, you know, but you can also buy the educational packs, but they've sold it in those. But this year, the things that Kirstie's talking about are new because you can buy the little silicone cookie cutters is what it looks like, you know, and they make the shape actually looks like what you've made. The silicone cookie cutters work better because it kind of molds the... Well, they're more like molds yeah, than, yeah. than really like a cookie cutter. They're, it's like a mold. So then you got to poke and press and push. And again, you're getting all that language for speech. You're getting that strengthening component for OT to tie in and make it relevant back to therapy. Yes, exactly. It's a great bilateral hand thing. There's no way to get that play foam into that silicone cookie cutter unless you use two hands because you got to kind of hold that silicone cookie cutter. At least you got to hold it still. Mm -hmm. So for a child with hemiplegia, when they do have limited use of one side, I think it's a great toy because even with a fisted hand, you could still hold that silicone. It's super lightweight. You could hold it with that one hand that's weaker, or you could put the play foam in the weaker hand, and then you could put the silicone thingamajigger in the stronger hand, you know? Or we can do what we do here at PDT and collaborate and work with our other disciplines, and speech can then know how to adapt that because they've worked with OT and PT on adapting that setup. So so that the child is able to do it. And it goes the same thing for speech. A lot of times with this type of product, if their child is having trouble identifying objects or identifying pictures or something like that, then those silicone molds are really not clear enough for them to really be able to identify those 
the greatest in the world yet. So for a lot of times with this play foam, what I'll do with it instead is I'll take it, I'll hide objects underneath it so that we have to play peekaboo with it kind of thing. You know, a lot of times I'll do that. A lot of times I'll use verbs with it. I tend to use it more like that, like as an obstacle to play or an additional object to make them like name the picture, name the object, or I use it with verbs. Well, and that sounds a lot more fun than sitting with flashcards or picture cards and just like, they're not motivated to come back for that, but to come in and play with foam and find the hidden pieces, name them. That sounds like way more fun. It is more fun. You can even hide like pieces of cars. You know, we have the various toys here where they have parts and pieces of things and you build it. So you can even hide the parts and pieces inside this play foam and they have to dig it out and then they have to construct like a car or construct a robot or construct a Lego toy if that's kind of the age they are. So like sometimes for those little boys and girls that you get to like fourth and fifth grade, especially in the schools and they're like, I don't want to come to speech. I want to do anything but come to speech. This is actually a lot of fun and it's easy set up, clean up, boom, boom. And each little child can have their own thing so in a group activity each child could have their own little piece of the you know stuff so it kind of gives them a little something to do as you go around the group and work on your activity so you can use it in a group speech session is basically what I'm trying to say and at PDT we package everything so what Hayden's saying about the what you're saying about the auto blocks yeah so we would package that mm-hmm. with it all in there and ready to uh-huh. go because yep. one of the worst things that can happen is when missing parts and pieces to a potato head or something end up in the putty box or the play foam box and then you go to actually use the potato head or use whatever it is and all the pieces aren't there. That's a daybreaker for working with a child. So we'll, we have it all set up ready to go and we might have one that's an auto block play foam box and one that's something else. So you have variety in working with different children at various levels. Yep. So I kind of combined a lot of, you know, activities there when I was explaining that. But basically, for a child who's working on sequencing and you're trying to keep it engaged and maybe they're working on beginning, middle and end of an activity or like pre-literacy or you're just really working on their literacy skills and helping them understand this is the first part of the story. This is the middle part of the story. This is the end part of the story or how to read questions and pick out identifying concrete information from a story, that kind of thing. If they're having trouble with that, all that stuff I just said is very abstract. Even if you're picking out concrete details from the story, you have to be able to remember the question, then go back and read the paragraph again, find the keywords. There's a lot of strategies in that. So sometimes I'll take a child and I'll, if that's my ultimate goal, I'll start earlier and I'll work on very concrete sequencing. Like, okay, first you have to do this, then you have to do that, and then you have to do this. And if you don't, it doesn't turn out right. But that can be sometimes boring for kids. So using a product like Play Foam, this just cool to touch. It can make it so that they have to sort of dig through it, find the wheel of the car, dig through it, find the cab of the truck, dig through it, find the hood of the truck or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Or a Lego, a minion that you're building or something like that. Same thing. And it could just help them understand first you got to put the wheels on the cab then the roof on the truck or the lights on. If you don't do it in the right order, it doesn't look like a truck. So sometimes doing that helps them to understand, okay, this is the how a story flows. Now let's go back and take that concept and put it towards really reading a story, understanding this is the beginning, this is the middle, this is the end. So you can start to build those strategies. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of what I was talking about. I just went through it really fast, so I thought I'd slow down. Basically, the play foam, it's a squishy, mushy toy that's really cool. It's fun. It keeps kids engaged. So you don't have to work so hard to keep them engaged. Behavior kind of goes away, so you don't have to worry about it because they like what you're doing. And then you can get your ultimate goal, which is to help them to be able to answer questions from a story. And how many of us work on that? Like, show of hands, everybody, right? Yeah, so the play foam's just fun. So... For those people who may still be having trouble understanding what play foam is, you know, the Rice Krispie Treats, before you could buy them individually packaged when you made them back in the day, that's what this stuff feels like. Only you don't get your hands sticky and you won't burn them when the marshmallows are first hot. 
There you go. It's like a non-stick-to-your-hands, cool Rice Krispie treat before they're hardened. And they come in like fun colors. Green, purple, blue, orange, pink, all kinds of various colors with no food coloring. True. Booyah. So our third tactile sensory pick is slime. Everybody loves slime. Everybody wants to make slime. But we at PDT say no to making slime because if you make slime, you have to use borax. And we say no to that. It's not safe. We don't have it in our clinics. We actually did a podcast on the workingtherapist.com. You'll see it on 10 things you don't want to find in your therapy clinic. And borax is on the list. You do not want to find borax in your therapy clinic. It is dangerous. So Kirsty and I worked really hard <laughs> to find really great slime. And there's really no reason to make it because there's so many great slime products out there you can buy. We just happen to want bigger containers of slime, which that was the biggest obstacle in finding the right slime for PDT. Yes, you're right. And it had to be cool slime because we're not having any bobo slime up in here. You know, cool <laughs> slime, big containers. It's actually a pretty hard order to fill, but we did it. And again, that's going to be a product that when it gets if you use it outside of the container, it's wet and it's sticky. So if it collects like loose particles or dirt or hair, you got to throw it away and start over. Like we need a lot to be able to do that. Yeah, because the expectation is you are throwing this stuff away and starting over. I mean, you're working with kids. You cannot keep any of these products we're talking about on this podcast right. forever. In our world, this is the normal cost of doing business thing. Like, you know, we replace bubbles all the time. It's like rubber gloves. Exactly. You know, it's in the same category. Rubber gloves, TheraBand, slime. Slime, bubbles, mad matter, all of this. So the slime we found is made by KidSource, and we've got several different types. The first kind we got is called crunchy slime. It's actually called We Cool, but it's slime. And they call it slime also because they do sell basic slime. But we got, I think we actually got basic slime. We also got this stuff called crunchy slime. It's got little tactile crunchy things in it. I don't know what else to call it, but that, honestly. So basically, it's sort of a nice, you know, if some of your kids don't like the feeling of slime and that mushy, gushy stuff through your fingers, this crunchy slime is sort of a nice stepping stone to the stuff that mushes and slides through your fingers like real slime, you know, because it does stay together a little bit better. It's just a little bit more dense, honestly, you know. And then we also got this cool stuff called glitzy slime. I just think we liked it, Kirsty, don't you? We did. <laughs> yeah, it's just pretty. It's glitter, right? Mm-hmm. Just glitter, pretty slime. But the glitter doesn't go everywhere. Like, right. it's part of the slime. Yeah, it's just pretty slime that glitters. And who doesn't like that? And then um, fruity slime. That one's my favorite. Yeah. What is the side of it? It's got little... They're little tiny plastic. It almost is like bigger pieces of glitter. Yeah, but it's got like little pieces of fruit on it. Mm -hmm. You could pick that little plastic stuff out, but... Uh, if you can do that, you don't need to be coming for fine molder. No, you don't. <laughs> you totally don't. So, <laughs> but so the fruity slime is like in between the crunchy and the regular slime. And then the glitzy slime is just pretty glitter slime. Yep. So we just bought a variety so that you don't get bored and so you can play with slime. And so in PT, how would a PT use slime? And I know you're all about some parts and pieces, but talk about that for a minute. I think it's just a motivation factor again. Mm -hmm. There's no parts and pieces in the slime. Mm -mm. So for therapy purposes, I'd probably use it as a reward or for a younger child. I'm talking about really little. If you're doing cruising and then the reward is they get to play in the slime for mm -hmm. a minute or two. And then we got to bring it back down, the bucket down to the other side and cruise back or crawling, that sort of thing. Again, it's all about the motivation if that's what they're into. And I just have to say this for a second because we have a bucket at one of our clinics and it lists on there, not for feet. So 
apparently at huh. some point in time, PTs were doing some sensory with feet, which yes, we do do that. But the OTs have put on the box, don't put your feet in here. <laughs> like, I love that. Poor OT. <laughs> Which I just think it's funny that we have to spell that out. Because when you ask me, like, what are you going to use this for? I immediately went to that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, some PT is going to stick their feet in this. And that's why it needs to go in the garbage. Don't put your smelly feet in my bucket of slime. Don't put your feet in the bucket. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what's happened. Poor OTs. For speech, so if, say, speech and PT were treating together, and then I would completely use the, like, slime at the top of the stairs if the child was working on stair climbing with the PT or something like that. Then I would um, put the bucket of slime at the top of the stairs. We would put animals. We would put some kind of object at the bottom of the stairs, and we'd have to go up and hide them in the slime, or I would hide everything up of the slime at the top of the stairs. They'd have to find it, pick it out, and go and take it back down the stairs. And then, you know, if they pulled it out of the slime at the top, then we might go down at the bottom and put the animal or whatever it is in water to wash it off. So then I work on verbs at the bottom, verbs at the top, naming stuff, single words, multiple word sentences. There's tons of ways that you could incorporate this slime, any of the types we talked about, into a co-treat with PT or speech just working by themselves. I would do the same thing. I would hide the animals or something in the slime, dig them out. They would, oh, they'd be so dirty, gross, dirty. Then we'd have to wash them off and dry them off. Sequencing activity right there, verbs, naming, all of that. PT's got it easy. We just got to go up and down the stairs and then ride your activity. I didn't want to state the obvious, but there it was. (laughs) So anyway, poor PTs, we have picked on them bad. (laughs) This is the end of our first part of our podcast on squishy smushy things or top five sensory tactile picks. This is the end of part one. Thank you all for joining us. You know, Kirstie and I had a great time getting this podcast together. Part two is even more fun, so stay tuned for that. And what we really did, as you can tell, we've done our research, we worked really hard, but it was a lot of fun, which therapy should be fun. So this kind of matches what we do. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for spending some time with us, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.